very much. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to be here this morning, and thank you so much to Gareth, the band, for leading us, and Hannah. Um, can I just ask you, as we go through the next uh, half an hour or so, um, please don't switch your minds off what has just gone and think, all oh, right, we've had the worship, now we're going to have the, the sermon, because all the words of the songs and all the things that Gareth and Hannah have been sharing are so relevant uh, to the sorts of things that Liz and I want to share with you this morning. It's a great blessing uh, to have had that this morning, so thank you very much indeed. Um, um, are you, ha- are you uh, willing, I won't say happy, are you willing, uh, some of you at least to do some uh, participation this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and do anything individual. But is there one or two who would be willing to join in a little bit this morning? Thank you very much for that. Okay, Um, because uh, we're in a series. Aaron launched a series last week on Sermon on the Mount. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes. We're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verses 3 to 13. But the way my mind works is a little bit odd. I don't know if you can have the next slide, please. But um, it's it's about happiness. Uh, And the first thing I thought when I saw the word happiness was Ken Dodd. Uh, and I thought, what would happen? It's going to, this morning, I'm going to offer you a couple of alternative Beatitudes, alternative Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So what would have happened if Ken Dodd had done the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes? Uh, and I think it would have gone something a little bit like He might have stood up and said, children of Israel, children of Israel, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful, I was walking my dog down the road the other day and, and I saw our esteemed emperor and I said, Caesar, and he took her away and I've never seen her again. Ha-boom. And, and let's have a song. If we want to be happy, let's have a song. There's a great song that I've written about this. So what I'd like you to do, I'm going to put the words up on the screen, I hope. Uh, of course, they wouldn't have had that in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this, you have to use your imagination a little bit. Have we got the, uh, the video to play? Here we go. So if you'd like to join in, uh, this will be wonderful. If you know this, here we go. Oh, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful day for going up to our esteemed emperor and putting a lettuce on his head and saying, how's that for a Caesar salad? <laughs> now, well, that's it. Have <laughs> you got it? That's happiness. That, that's, that's what you need. Happiness is a frame of mind. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 5, verses, one, uh, verses 3 to 13 and see how Jesus actually started off talking about happiness. Verse 3. Well, a bit out of breath. <laughs> Okay, time to find your page or your screen. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. We're going to spend a little bit of time in those words today because I really believe uh, the the word of God is relevant to each and every one of us this morning. And as we go through this morning, I really want to ask the Holy Spirit to move amongst us and move amongst every single one of us to think, how are we going to apply this to, to our lives um, you know, Aaron talked last week about the upward, the inward, and the outward, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But this morning is a prime opportunity 
for everybody this morning to think about how to apply these words to our own lives. And we're going to look at it in stages. I'm going to speak for a little while, then Liz is going to speak for a little bit, and then I'll come back again uh, and, uh, and, and finish off. Um, and I want to look at the, I want to take in a slightly different order. I don't want to look at it verse by verse. I want us to think a little bit about uh, the structure and the way in which Jesus talks and see what we can draw out of that. Because each of those Beatitudes there says, blessed are... Blessed are those who, or happy are those who, if you go for a different translation. Uh, and then there's a, a consequence at the end of each beatitude, for they will. And so if we spend a little bit of time looking at that word blessed, what does it actually mean? What does the word happy mean? If you've got the next slide, it shows us there's a, there's a Greek word uh, that is used here called makarios. And that's the word used here for blessed or the word for happy. Um, but it, it's interesting, it pops itself up throughout the... Um, uh, throughout the Old, uh, throughout the New Testament, you will be can thread it through. And obviously, Jesus, uh, the people listening to Jesus wouldn't have heard, uh, haven't read the, the New Testament, but they would still have these connotations in their mind. So, what I'd like us to do is to read through the scriptures where this word "macarius" comes up in the New Testament, and the, the where it's where the word is used, it will be in uh, yellow. Uh, so, when you see it on the screen, in yellow. There we go. Uh, there, that is the word makarios. It means blessed or happy, and there's a different translation. So rather than you listening to me, uh, I thought it would be quite good if we read some of these together. Is that all right? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a group, uh, and then the, if you're in that group, then if you could read it with me. All right, so, so for Luke 11, verse 28, if you're wearing something red, could you? Oops, we'll have a quick look down. Let's read it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. There's not many people wearing red. Okay, <laughs> let's have a look at the next one. Uh, John 20, verse 29. If you're wearing blue, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> interesting. Next one. <laughs> Romans 4, verse 7. If you had breakfast this morning. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. So you've got that word joy there. Same word, makarios, blessed, happy, joyful. Um, for those oh this, now this is such a good one I think we should all, all do it together you ready really enthusiastically Titus 2 verse 13 we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and saviour Jesus Christ will be revealed fantastic wonderful day blessed day macarious day when God comes back uh, James 1 verse 12 um ooh. Um, if your birthday is between January and April, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Fantastic. And the next one, 1 Peter 3, verse 14. Um, if you live uh, in Exeter, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So you've got that idea of reward is macarious. So joy, reward, blessing happiness and so on and then the final one um if your name is um gareth um <laughs> could you read this one god and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says fantastic thank you very much so you've got all of these readings throughout the new testament where the word macarious the word blessing the word happy the word joyful uh, wonderful reward all of those words are from the same greek word macarious and uh, and the key thing here is what is wonderful as ken dodd was and as wonderful as his song was it wasn't quite accurate because he's saying happiness is a frame of mind which which suggests that we create happiness 
that there are things that we do as our, in our Christian life that will make us happy and things that we do that will make us sad. Now, that is true, but that is not what God was talking about. God was saying here that happiness, blessedness, reward, joy is something that is a gift from God to us. It's not something we generate within ourselves. It's something that God gives us. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on in our lives, it's the favour of God on our lives. And it's something he bestows upon each and single one of us this morning. You know, Gareth was talking about being who, we, uh, being who we say, being who God says we are. And God says his favour is on us this morning. And that is a reason for joy. That is a reason for happiness. Would, you, would some of you agree? That's fantastic. Excellent. It's a gift from God. It's not something that we manufacture. It's something that God favours us with. So how does the gift uh, manifest itself? Um, well, here we have the second half of uh, the, or the third part of each of the Beatitudes. And I've, re, I've reordered them a little bit um, so that uh, they kind of build a little bit. But these are the things. Now, in the Greek, again, the word for uh, also means because. So blessed are, happy are people because these things are going to happen. So we are blessed because these things are going to happen. We have a reward because God has promised these things. We are joyful because God has promised these things. It is wonderful because God has promised these things. And as we've sung, God is faithful. God is rock solid on his promises. He will not let us down. He will not leave us. And these promises are for you. They're for me. They're for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. So there is going to be a great reward. There is going to be comfort. There's going to be mercy. And there is going to be uh, uh, satisfaction. So the th those sorts of things are in the here and the now, aren't they? As well as in the future, they're in the here and the now. We're going to be, if, we, if we need comfort, it's available. If we need mercy, it's there. If we, need, if we feel unsatisfied, then God promises that he will satisfy us. Uh, but then it moves on, and as, as, uh, as Gareth already said, this is such a key verse, and Liz is going to talk about this in a minute. Uh, we will be called children of God. That is such a fantastic thing to be able to say. I am a child of God. I have got, regardless of what my earthly father is like or was like, I have got a heavenly father who absolutely thinks I'm wonderful, absolutely loves me. Uh, and that is a wonderful thing to be able to say. I am a child of God. Um, and then not, more, not only that, we're going to inherit the earth. Uh, we're going to, the kingdom of heaven is going to be ours. And we are going to see God. Now, it doesn't come much better than that, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> That's the answer. The answer to that was no, it doesn't. Um, and when I see those things, it reminds me. It reminds me of, of, of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. If you think about that, uh, it's always part of God's plan. He created Adam and Eve, he created the Garden of Eden, created the world, and he put them all together, and then he walked with them in the Garden of Eden. And he met with them on a daily basis to have a chat and see how things were going. How's the naming of the animals going? Oh, great, fantastic. Uh, and then they messed it up. In spite of all of that, they messed it up. But then we have revelation over here, and it tells us there's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth, and they're going to come together, and God will be with his people. And it's one of those wonderful things that the, man, the plan of God is to be with his people. It's for us to be with him, for him to be with us, to have a relationship with him, and for him to see us, and for us to see him. At the moment, we can't see him. We don't know him fully, but there will come a time when we know him fully. 
And God's promises that we have here, God's promises in our lives, God's promises in the Bible, all point in the same direction to God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And so as we come to the end of this first part here, I just want to kind of redefine, or put in my own words rather, redefine's not a very good thing to do with the Bible, put in my own words <laughs> um, what I think Jesus is saying at this point. I don't know if you could have the slide back again, the one previous. No, next one. There we go. So happiness in terms of Jesus, this is what I think he's saying. Happiness is being sure of God's favor and faithfulness in the present and in the future. Hope you would either agree with that. If you don't agree with it, that's absolutely fine. Why not? Why wouldn't you agree with that? And later on, you may have the opportunity to turn to the person next to you and say, I don't agree with that. And the person next to you will very confidently explain <laughs> why they do agree with it. Or you can have an argument about it. Happiness is knowing God's favour and faithfulness in the present and in the future. And where that's difficult and where that becomes more challenging, if you like, is because real life is challenging. And real life is difficult. We know that we win. We know that there's great victory, and we know that God can do fantastic things in the here and now. He can heal, he can do miraculous things, but he doesn't always do that. And sometimes we go through things that aren't so easy. And I believe, and we believe that the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, talks right into those situations. Because he's talking to a group of people on that hillside who would be in a lot of trouble, a lot of difficulty going on. I'll talk a little bit about that later on. So with that in mind, um, Liz is going to share now in the next section. Good morning. We have three um, grown children who will live away, and we have a nearly 13-year-old adopted son who also lives away. In June last year, after living with us for three and a half years, it became necessary for him to move to a foster home. Sadly, it was no longer safe for us to have him in the home. However, we see him as much as possible. This was not the dream or the plan we had for our family. Where is God when things go wrong? Jason Johnson is an American pastor who fosters and adopts and has set up an orphan care ministry. We have found his thoughts and reflections on his own experience very helpful and thought we would share his story as a way of explaining ours and to show how bumpy the fostering and adopting journey can be. These are Jason Johnson's words. We want to fix our foster daughter. We know we can't, but we want to undo in a matter of months what has been ingrained within her over the course of 17 years. Her story is far from over, but it's one in which every worst possible outcome came true in every way. Shortly before her 18th birthday, she chose to run away with her baby. We turned around and they were gone, vanished. It had been a heated night, the culmination of weeks of intense conversations and standoffs, and a thick wall of resistance she had been constructing between us and her for some time. She's lived in chaos for two-thirds of her life. It's what she knows and where she's comfortable. Our home was not that, and she had had enough. She needed out, and it didn't matter where to. The not knowing was comfortable for her. In many ways, the uncertainty was more of a home to her than our house had ever been. 
After phone calls to professionals and to the police, we ended the night with two officers in our living room asking what she was wearing, if we had any idea where she may have gone, if we felt they were in danger. Our young daughters sat on the couch and watched as everything we fought so hard to prevent from happening was now happening at 11 o'clock on a school night in our living room. Not long after this, I received a text from my dad. Does this feel like defeat to you? Not great timing, Dad, I thought. Perhaps a little too soon to be asking questions like that. This whole situation wants to feel like defeat. It wants me to answer, yes, yes, it does feel like defeat. It feels like it's all been in vain, and I wonder if it was really worth it. That's what I want to say, but I know I can't. I know there has to be more than that. While the struggle of that night was still raw, his question forced me to rise above it, to see the bigger picture and rest that night in the truth of a story God was playing out that was much bigger than just that night. I'm convinced God is more pleased by our willingness to be faithful along the journey of fostering and adopting than he is concerned about our ability to achieve a certain outcome through it. God does not say, well done, good and successful servant, but well done, good and faithful servant. Faithfulness is our success, not achieving certain outcomes that only God has the capacity to produce. Of course, we want to see measures of health and stability and progress and hope achieved in the lives of children from hard places. But what happens if she doesn't graduate, doesn't get a job, doesn't break free from some destructive patterns of behavior and thinking? What happens if our hopes for her never materialize in her life? Does that mean that our work on her behalf was in vain? 1 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We may not see it now, we may never see it fully in this lifetime, but what we are doing is, is of eternal significance. Fix your eyes there on eternity, but be faithful here today and then tomorrow and then next week, Trusting God with the outcome as you experience the beauty and pain and struggle and wonder of walking with Jesus along the journey. Daily, faithfully, keep walking. Keep making deposits into their lives. Keep trusting that what's completely out of your control is completely in his. His sovereignty is our sanity. Our faithfulness is enough. Be free from the burden to be something for these children that only Jesus intended himself to be. Our job is not to be the saviour of these children, but it is simply to love these children as our saviour has loved us, fully, freely, sacrificially, and to trust him with the rest. No one is striding through fostering and adoption. We're all limping in some way. The children, the families, the social workers, the system, and us. At some point, we come to the realisation that it's not so much us helping them, it's just us together all uniquely broken humans on this journey called life together. The good news is that Jesus does not call us to control everything along this journey, nor does he expect us to. Our job as a foster carer or adoptive parent is not measured by our capacity to produce some certain set of outcomes. It's determined by our willingness to be faithful along the way and to trust that in the beauty, struggle, joy and heartache of it all, the journey is always worth it. Part of learning um, about how to find the beauty in our journey is recognizing how faithful family and friends and this church has been to our son. And we want to say thank you for all your support. There are people who make sure that they speak to our son every week. One friend set aside a whole day to pray and fast for him. 
One young adult offered to set her alarm to pray for him. Other young adults make sure that they hug him every week. Thank you to the All Stars team for their encouragement and to the Monday prayer team and other friends who pray. There have been huge answers to prayer. Thank you to those of you who have invited us into your home. Big thank you to Naomi, Debbie and Joseph for being ever loving and ever supportive of their brother. And a special thank you to Aaron for attending the adoption ceremony, visiting him at home, attending a team around the child meeting, visiting him in hospital and constantly praying for him. Aaron had a picture recently of our family jumping for joy. This was poignant for us because for a few years now, God has spoken to me in an unusual way. My maternal grandmother, who I was close to, used to make up phrases when she saw car number plates. So, for instance, if she saw the letters GFJ, she would say, jump for joy, even if it wasn't spelled properly. In the past few months now, I have seen several cars with a GFJ number plate, particularly and significantly on days when there have been difficult meetings with professionals. For instance, I saw one on the same day that Graham and I had been in a meeting about our son's state of mind. I saw another one just after a meeting about our son's living arrangements and yet another one after another difficult meeting. Again, after receiving some confusing news from a social worker, I saw a GFJ number plate later that same day. It is as if God is constantly reminding me to look beyond the disheartening circumstances to the joy which lies ahead. Um, We all know what one of these is. It's um, a birth certificate. Everyone in this room has one and we're all familiar with it. But did you know that when you adopt a child, you get given a brand new certificate that looks identical to a birth certificate, looks like this a brand new name and a brand new identity, which is exactly what happens when God adopts us into his family. We get a brand new name and a brand new identity and a brand new family. Jesus said, do not rejoice because the spirits submit to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Um, This certificate brings great joy to Graham and me because it is not a certificate of accomplishment or achievement, but instead it speaks of family and identity and relationship. Um, we're very, uh, we're equally proud of all our children. We love them all um, equally, and we're equally privileged to be their parents. Um, as Hannah said earlier, you'll find a coaster on your seats ready for you to take away with Home for Good written on it for you to use when you next have a cup of coffee. Home for Good exists um, to encourage Christians and churches to help the lives of vulnerable children in any way that they can, whether that's through giving or praying or becoming a foster carer or adopter. There are 93,000 children in care in the UK at the moment, and 600 of those are in Devon. Every single one of them um, needs somebody to love them and to be a strong advocate for them. I heard of one 18-year-old girl who um, was given a flat after she left the care system But when she needed help with changing a light bulb, she couldn't think of a single person to turn to. I wonder where she spends Christmas. I wonder where any care leaver spends Christmas. Um, There's another American pastor called Frederick Beekner, and he said this. Resurrection is when the worst thing is never the last thing. Resurrection is when the worst thing is never the last thing. We can bring resurrection into the lives of vulnerable children by offering them love, hope, family, and Jesus. Will you join us?
Thank you very much indeed. It may be that some of the things that Liz has said have uh, resonated with you. It may not be about fostering or adopting. It may be about a certain circumstance. And uh, as we come to the end of the message in a, in a little while, there'll be an opportunity for you to discuss or to pray or to come quietly before God and to bring those things for him. Because happiness isn't a, a feeling that we generate. It's knowing the favour and the faithfulness of God uh, in in our situations and uh, and that's certainly true for our family is we've known the favor and we've known the faithfulness of God and believe we will continue to do so uh, in the months and the years to come so that's the first section and the third section of each of the uh, of the beatitudes so we've got the middle section uh, to go but I thought before we do that we'll have one more sort of alternative beatitudes if that's okay uh, I'm not going to sing so we're all right it's safe on that one but but I do need you to kind of cheer a little bit and to go yeah and I want to imagine that you're kind of uh, children of Israel sitting on a hill uh, you've been listening you're listening to Jesus and um, uh, and these are the sorts of things that he might have said Good morning. Good morning. Have you had enough of the Romans? Would you like to see change? Are you fed up with being oppressed? Are you fed up with being poor? Would you like to know how to be happy? I'm telling you how to be happy. God's going to come. He's going to come today. He's going to smite the Romans. He's going to smite people who disagree with me. He's going to smite everybody who's not us. He's going to build up the temple. That would have been really important for the Jews. He's going to build up the temple. He's going to restore the law. And we're going to be victorious. He could have done that. But he didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't offer this kind of... Um, uh, overwhelmingly victorious talk in that setting. What did he say? He talked about these sorts of situations. He talked about people who were mourning and people who were needing mercy. And he said, those are the people who are going to be blessed. Those are the people where God's favour and faithfulness is going to rest. Uh, and what I really like about the, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole is that it... Um, uh, if you go to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you look in uh, Matthew uh, verse, um, if you could have it on the screen, Matthew uh, verse uh, 7, uh, 28 and 29, it says this, so the people have listened to all of the things that Jesus said, and it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. And I often come back to those words when I'm thinking about Jesus, I think he was amazing and he had authority. I would love it if I went, if a child from school went home one day and parents said to them, oh, so, son, daughter, what, what did you do at school today? And they go, oh, I had Mr. Allen. And he was amazing. He was astonishing. He had such authority over his subject. He just really absolutely nailed it. <laughs> one can dream. <laughs> I would love that. And I think that's fantastic about Jesus, that he was amazing and he was authority, even though he wasn't saying what people were expecting him to say. And I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes looking at those two words, amazing uh, and authority. So amazing, first of all. Now, um, 
you may be familiar with this. We've talked a little bit this about this before. But the people like you were, the children of Israel, would have been sitting there thinking, we are in the present age. So you are the little cross on the diagram. You'd be sitting there thinking, life's not great. We're being oppressed by the Romans. We've got a lot of illness. We've got a lot of sickness. We've got a lot of suffering. There's a lot of poverty. Things aren't great for us at the moment. It's, it's a dark time for us. And they may have thought to themselves, well, we look back and we remember, that's back over there, we look back and we think, you know, Moses and, and God rescued us from slavery, rescued us from Egypt, and through Moses led us through the Red Sea, gave us to a promised land. We know God can act in the past. We know that he's been faithful in the past. So one day there will be this age to come. There will be this time in the future where God will act. He will intervene and all of this will stop. The Romans will be defeated. Everything that's gone wrong will go be put right. The temple will be restored. The law will be restored. Everything will be just as we imagine it should be. And that's going to be the age to come. So our job is just to sit here and wait while that, uh, that, uh, until that arrives. And what Jesus was saying is no. I, this, the present age is, is now, yes, but the age to come is here and now. That's why he says the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying it's right here and it's right now. That age to come where everything's going to be put right has started now. And that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing to, for them to say this is right now, right here, right now. You can know the work of God, the presence of God, the effect of God in your lives right here, right now. That's an amazing thing for Jesus to say. But he didn't just say that. Um, oh, sorry, that one there, of course, because with, with our hindsight and what we know now, we know that God is going to come back again, that Jesus will return, and there will be an end uh, to, to all the suffering, and there will be a time when there's no more tears, no more suffering, no more death, and so on. And that's really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> that was a genuine, <laughs> that wasn't made up. Um, that, that's a genuine exciting one. Um, but not only that, he had authority, um, because as you go through the sermon, Jesus will often say, you've heard it said, you've heard this said, you've heard that said. And the rabbis at the time, they would have referred to other rabbis and other teaching, a bit like kind of Google. Um, they, they, if they, Google had been around, they might have said, well, if you search the word for um, love, for example, um, it might say, uh, some sites would say, this is what love is, and other sites would say, this is what love is, and this site will say what love is. Uh, so have a look at those sites and see which one you think love is. Uh, but Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, this rabbi says this, this rabbi says that, and this rabbi says that. He said, I say. This is what I say. You've got the scriptures, you've got the Old Testament, that's fine, but I'm here to, uh, to fulfill it. I'm here to exemplify it and to um, expand on it, and, and I'm right here right now. So not only is Jesus saying to people, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is right here right now, he's also saying, it's me talking to you one-to-one. Isn't that amazing? If I could just sit down and God could stand up and do this instead, <laughs> that would be fantastic for you, wouldn't it? So, so Jesus is amazing, he's outstanding, he's authoritative, he's exciting. And he's right here, right now, because we believe his Holy Spirit gives us the power. When we speak, when we preach, and so on, we do that through the power of God, uh, and through the Holy Spirit. Is this okay so far? We're nearly there, we're nearly there, we're really great. Because I think as we come to thinking about the, the winning pathway um, that, that, that Aaron was talking about last week, uh, this particular section I think relates particularly to the, the upward and the inward. 
because it's encouraging us now over the next few minutes to think upward and to just take this time that we've been gifted this morning, here and now, to think, okay, I'm in the presence of God. God's speaking to me this morning. God's communicating with me this morning. He's promising me his favor and his faithfulness in my life. He's promising me that I can be a child of God. He's promising me that he will comfort me born. He will comfort me and be with me. He's promising me that I will inherit the earth. He's in promising me that I will see him. And that's not something to take lightly this morning. And he's also promising those things here and now. Not just in the future, where we know we will be one day with him, but in the here and the now. And so there's that upward, and then there's that inward, which we'll look at in a moment. It's, it's just going through a few things in our lives and thinking, does this apply to me today? Would I, would I describe myself in this situation? Not as a way of trying to make us feel guilty or embarrassed or shamed or any of those things, but God's saying, this is the way of life. This is how you win in life, is by looking at these little things, or looking at these big things, and dealing with them on a one-by-one basis in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that your life becomes a winning life. So that's what I'm going to encourage us to do in just a few minutes. There are a few provisos with this in mind as we, as we go into this. First of all, oh, have we got that video? Are we able to do that? I, th- I wasn't going to show this, but I saw it this morning, and I thought, I thought if, Aaron, if this had happened last week, I think Aaron would probably have shown this when he was talking about winning. Um, does anyone stay up and see the netball this morning? This is the, <laughs> this is, this is the Commonwealth Games, okay? Um, the final day, the English netball team, who I don't think have ever been in a final before, in Australia, so the Commonwealth goes in Australia, against the Australians who have never lost the final, I don't think, or if they have, it was to New Zealand. Uh, and and it, at, with about 20 seconds to go, it was 51-51. Uh, and this is what happened. And this is how to win. Now, now, if anyone becomes a Christian this morning, I'm not going to backflip <laughs> down the aisle. But in heaven, there will be that kind of rejoicing going on. If you decide this morning that you want to become a follower of Jesus, if you want to be part of the family and know that Father God, uh, if you want to do that this morning, there will be a chance a little bit later on uh, for you to do that because there will be that great rejoicing. But the thing that's interesting about that video clip to me is that that's the end. That's your, 50, that's your 90th minute, whatever it is. What happened before all of that? And I reckon there would have been hours and hours and hours of practice, hours and hours and hours of drills, hours and hours of failure where things didn't go the way they wanted them to go before they got to that moment there. We don't see those on the videos. And for some of us, we'll be going through those times where we think, actually, I've just not got it all together. I've not got it all right at the moment. But God wants to know you to know that he's faithful and his favour rests on you this morning. And as you go through those times, you might not know victory this very morning in that sense, but you will know the faithfulness and the favor of God as you go through those things. 
uh, and we know that the ultimate victory is God's. Um, there's also, I don't know if you've seen the film Sully. Anyone seen the film Sully? What's it say? Um, it's, the, um, uh, it's the story of the, I've forgotten his name now, the American pilot who, who landed a plane on the Hudson River in about 2010 because just after takeoff, they had a, an engine failure where some birds flew into the engines and he had no power, he had no guidance, he had nothing and he managed to land it on the Hudson River um, and every, every single person uh, was saved, every single person got off and, and it's a fantastic film. If you ever get a chance to see it with Tom Hanks, it's a really good film. Um, but one of the key messages that he says is it wasn't in that moment, you know, in that moment when the power went, I just went on instinct. I just knew what I had to do and I did it because I've had hours and hours and hours and hours of flying and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice and it just became second nature. And the Sermon on the Mount is about the Christian life, it's about life in the kingdom becoming second nature. And it's hard work, yeah, it's not easy. Uh, so, so with those two illustrations in mind, let's have a look at the third and final bit of the, of the, um, of the, of the Beatitudes. Uh, and remember, this is not a checklist, uh, please don't sit there thinking, oh, yep, I've done that, uh, done that, yep, done that. Um, it's not something that we set out to do. You don't get up in the morning generally and think, oh, you know, I'm going to be so obnoxious today about my Christian faith that I'm going to get persecuted, and that will do. Um, tick, I've been persecuted today, so I've done, done that bit of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it, it's, 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 we're all part of living in the kingdom, and what, what we're about to look at is things that we'll experience as seasons, uh, not necessarily sequentially. So please don't tick them off. Say, so, oh, yeah, uh, I think I'm poor in spirit. Done. Um, I'm humble. Yeah, got that. That's fine. Uh, pretty good at that. Uh, and so on. Just reminder, there's a statement of the current situation. Matt Searles, in his book, which I would recommend, if you're going through tough times, this book, Tumbling Sky, is a fantastic set of meditations on the Psalms. And he says this, God doesn't say to us, if you want blessing, we need to start in a more promising place. We need to start with better raw material. He can bless us even in the wilderness. He is able to do us good even in the darkest places. God's glory is to take brokenness and need and turn it into beauty and wholeness. Joe, would you mind coming up and just playing a little bit? So I'm just going to go through the, um, the Beatitudes one last time. Uh, and just so you know the direction of travel now, um, I'm going to read through these just to share a few thoughts with you. You may want to keep your eyes open. You may want to shut them. It's entirely up to you. Um, Joe's going to play not because it becomes suddenly more spiritual, uh, because he's playing music. It's just that sometimes um, God can uh, speak to people and communicate with people through music rather than through words. Uh, and that's a great gift that God gives to the church. And just open yourselves now to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, if there's something you want to say to me, maybe you've just got that little niggling feeling at the moment, something that Liz said or something that I've said or that Gareth or Hannah have said earlier on that's just caught your attention then use these words of scripture to focus on that. And then once I've gone through these, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to chat to one another. You, can, you may want to pray for one another. You may want to have a conversation about what we've said. If you're not a Christian, you may want to ask somebody a question. Well, what is this Christianity like, like, like really? So we'll just take a few minutes to go through these Beatitudes. If I could have, that's great. So Jesus is saying, as he talks to the people of Israel, I am with you right here, right now. And I'm here to demonstrate God's favour and faithfulness to you. 
I am with you right here, right now, to demonstrate God's favor and faithfulness. Are you someone this morning who needs to know that God is with you right here, right now? As you realize your poverty of spirit, as you realize that you are not as, uh, you're not able to do things on your own, as you realize that, try as you might, living life your own way isn't working, and you need to put your hands up and say, I need help. I need to the riches that are in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's you this morning. It may be as you mourn. It may be that you're mourning because of the state of your own life. It may be something in your life you're thinking, I'm so sad about that, I'm grieving for this. It may be a, a real reason, if we go back a minute, please. It may be that you're thinking that, that, you've, that you've lost somebody. You, you know you've lost somebody close to you and you are physically mourning and grieving. Or it may be that you're mourning for the state of the world. It may be that you're mourning for a dream that seems to have died. It may be that you're learning the realistic truth about who you are. And humility is not necessarily thinking, I'm a worm, I'm so awful, I'm dreadful. That's, that's not humility. Humility is knowing who you are in the light of God. Knowing that you've got strengths, knowing that you've got weaknesses, knowing that God's not finished with you. It may be that you've got a particular heart for something in the world of justice at the moment. Your heart is burning with passion for something where you can see injustice and unfairness in the world around us and you want to work for that. It may be that you need to show mercy. It may be you're in a situation where someone's hurt you, where someone's said something or done something and you feel as though you want uh, retribution and you've just got that inkling that God's saying, no, show mercy. Maybe you're in that situation. It may be that you're struggling and you're wanting to develop a pure heart. And the pure heart can be one of two things. It can be a moral issue. It can be something you're really struggling with and maybe it's only known to you and you haven't talked about it with anybody else. And God wants you to bring that to him this morning and say, I'm really struggling with this, God. Would you help me? But it also may mean, pure can also mean divided or undivided. So as you try to seek an undivided heart, where sometimes you've tried to live uh, on a Sunday worshipping God and on a Monday not really giving him too much attention. And your heart is divided. It's not a pure, focused heart. And maybe God's saying this this morning, if you want my favour and my faithfulness, it's available to you, but I want a pure heart. You will be blessed because you have a focused heart on me. It may be that you're working for peace. And Jesus in some translation says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. If you're a peacekeeper, you'll avoid conflict. And you'll see a situation where there's a potential for conflict and you'll walk away from it and say, no, no, just keep the peace. Peacemaker is someone who sees a conflict and tries to get in the middle tries to resolve, tries to, tries to work for peace. Maybe God's calling you into that kind of a situation or you're in that situation at the moment and you need to know God's faithfulness. Or it may be you're going through a season when you are being persecuted, where things are tough because you've made a stand for Jesus. 
if any of those things are relevant to you, hear these words of Jesus. I am with you right here, right now, to demonstrate God's favor and faithfulness. going to leave a moment of silence and ask the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our lives and in our hearts. Father, would you lead us in these next few moments? Lead us to the right person to talk to or to pray with. Help us to ask the right questions or to raise the right issues. Help us to feel completely relaxed and safe in your arms. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe that the word of God gives every single one of us the opportunity to respond. And so what I'd like to give you the opportunity to do now is to either turn to the person next to you and have a brief conversation with them, ask them to pray for you. Um, if you're somebody, and I think this may be relevant this morning, uh, based on what Gareth was saying as well, about wanting to know the Father's love, wanting to know the, the, the Father welcoming you into the family, giving you a new name, a new identity in Christ, then maybe ask the person next to you about that. It may be, I'm going to ask the band just to come up, um, and they're going to play quietly underneath this. Um, it may be that you want to come to the front and ask uh, Hannah or Tim or myself or Liz to, to, pray, uh, to pray with you. That's fine. Come up to the front. The most important thing is that you take this opportunity to do what you think God wants you to do. So have a conversation. Have a pray. Have a little think about God's favor and faithfulness in the circumstances in which you are. We'll do that for about four or five minutes. Uh, and then we'll give an opportunity just for one final prayer. And then we'll sing as we, as we finish together. Thank you.